Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill, how are you this week? I'm doing well, how are you? Excellent, really nice weather here. So that's been lovely. That's right, yeah, we're every kind of, kind of gearing up to gear down for the fourth, I guess, or yeah. gear up in a different way. But uh, things are still happening, it's still using the charge and stripes and, you know, in Congress related to labs. I know, been a ton of things going on, but yeah, let's focus on what's been going on on the Hill with laboratories and a recent announcement from HHS with monkeypox, PAMA, and something called salsa. Let's see, where should we start? Maybe with monkeypox. Let's start with monkeypox. <laughs> yeah. you know, we'll start there and, and uh, maybe if we get the end of the conversation, I know there's even a movement afoot to potentially change the name of that virus. So there was an announcement last week from HHS that uh, CDC and FDA had been working with some of the private laboratories to make monkeypox testing available uh, more broadly across the U.S. And Mayo Clinic Labs is Mayo Clinic or one of those labs that'll be bringing up the test to make it available. I was actually part of a call with Raj Punjabi from the uh, White House Pandemic Preparedness Task Force, as well as leadership from CDC and FDA I know others from Mayo and other labs have been participating in those as well. We've been in conversation and we're here to help. The announcement itself caught us a little off guard, though. Yeah, that was interesting. I think we didn't really expect that. But of course, we knew that we were going to be one of these five laboratories that had been identified. And I think it is an important move for pandemic preparedness to just expand the ability of testing capabilities in the U.S. But yeah, we are one of the laboratories that are going to be performing the CDC kit in my division of microbiology under the leadership of Dr. Matt Vinegar. Yeah, and it's, it was really caught us a little bit by surprise just because we know that the public health labs right now, they do have, I think, about 60,000 tests per day they can run. And there's only been a, still only a few hundred cases that have actually been identified. Now, the concern, of course, is that there's a lot more and then we're not doing enough testing because the positivity rate has been pretty high, I think over 20%. The confusion now is how much testing will be needed is clearly much different than COVID. When was, we couldn't get enough testing up fast enough for months. We're not in that kind of situation. So it really speaks to the need for more of a plan or playbook for how private labs might be able to help contribute to what is really a a robust public health testing infrastructure, right? Those, I think, will be ongoing conversations that will be sparked by this monkeypox outbreak coming on the heels of COVID. Yeah, I think it's good that we've learned from the past experiences with COVID. It is a good question of how much testing we'll actually be doing, although they've been talking about expanding testing to anyone that has any type of legional presentation, including things that could look like herpes simplex virus, varicella zoster virus, or even syphilis. Secondary syphilis can present with a rash-like lesions. So I suppose if you expand it to all of those individuals, we may end up with additional cases, yeah. Uh, especially cool. because of the cases that have been detected so far of all the, all the tests, it's a relatively high percent positivity, which yeah. means that we probably aren't testing enough people. 
but we've tested a relatively small group of people so far. Yeah, and I think it speaks to the need for us, as we've talked about many times, as laboratory professionals to continue to educate, in this case, both physicians and policymakers about how testing works, because you're right, it's really not how prevalent or how much of a disease there is that predicates how much testing is done, but how often a physician or provider has to rule it out for a patient. Because we have some diseases that are quite rare in hematology, like paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, or PNH, rare disease, but it causes unexplained anemia and thrombocytopenia, a low platelet count, which are common. So actually, when we bought that test up, we saw much higher volumes than we anticipated because it's something that doctors think about not infrequently, not that it's a common disease. So we might see the same with monkeypox. And so it's really good for us to be prepared. Hopefully what we'll see is to carry forward as we look at legislation around testing and both the oversight of, of the development as well as the reimbursement is that on the one side, thinking about the fact that a lot of the at-home testing apps that were available and through the pandemic actually started for sexual health, because oftentimes individuals don't want to go into a doctor. So to think about that, when you're talking with regulators, FDA and others around the testing, and then also reimbursement, you know, the labs now have to spend to bring the testing up. So it's good to know that the test will actually be covered so that if we do have to run it and start running it frequently, that the labs is economically sustainable. So it kind of speaks to all the things that we've been talking about and what all the dialogue around testing is happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to continue to revisit this topic as we see what happens with monkeypox. And there's been some fears that it may become endemic. It may uh, act like a sexually transmitted infection. And who knows, it might be something that's on those at-home testing panels in the future. But that's probably jumping the gun. We don't need to go Mm -hmm. there yet. But you mentioned reimbursement, and I think that that's an important topic for us because we've been seeing changes now. Um, There's been some movement on the Hill with PAMA. And for everyone who's probably heard that acronym a lot, uh, just a reminder that it's Protecting Access to Medicare Act, PAMA. And it really resulted in using it. Well, it, it ended up leading to a narrow set of surveys of laboratories and their tests and what they charge for tests and then creating this price guide. Unfortunately, it was rather biased in how the information was gathered. It was only a small group of laboratories, mostly large reference labs that were used when gathering price information for a variety of tests. So really high volume labs that have discounts for a number of different things. It resulted in very low reimbursement rates that were going to get rolled out. It would have been payment rates with decreases as much as 30 to 60%. And then of course, that's going to hurt all the laboratories that are actually in the communities doing the testing. And, you know, you have to have community labs testing where the patients are. Not everything can go to a large national reference center. So I think, Congress recognized that, and they've now introduced the SALSA Act. And I was thinking to myself, they must have to come up with these acronyms because otherwise, you know, it's a mouthful to say something really long. So SALSA, let's see if I can get this right. This is the Saving Access to Laboratory Services Act. Correct. Recommend, recognizing that, yes, we need to protect access to Medicaid and Medicare by keeping things affordable, but we also need to make it feasible for laboratories to stay in business and to at least get reimbursed the cost of testing, which includes personnel and overhead, et cetera. So now we're protecting access to laboratory tests. 
Yep. So this was introduced, and, and you know the inside scoop on this bill. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, let's remember that the whole, the Protecting Access to Medicare Act was to move away from a fee schedule, which was really outdated and just got cuts every year, and to make it more of a market-based. The challenge was that, there, and this is without going into all of it, once a bill is passed, it were, it, the agencies then take that law and then, and then enact it. And the, of course, the way that it was enacted, to your point, really was, was not an accurate reflection of what the true market was for these tests. And so that's put this whole cycle back in place to say we needed a correction. We were working on this when the pandemic hit, because the way that the data was collected, the labs were scheduled to get some significant cuts, up to 5 to 10% of what they were getting paid and reimbursed. And that escalated the, uh, over time but to allow the labs time to adapt. But the reality is that that clock has been running. So now with the pandemic, we were able to get delays in the implementation of the PAMA cuts, but now they're kind of, we're due and the clock's been running. And so if it's not something done to fix it, there'll be major cuts to the labs, as well as a lot of work for the labs, because it's a lot of work to collect the data. It was confusing about who needed to report the data, to your point. So that's what this is really put in place, is to make it more reflective of what people are really paying for these tests, right? Number one. And then also to make it a, a not so burdensome for labs to, to report. So with the statistical yeah. sampling method and to define which of the tests, because there's, if there's not very many places performing a test, is that data even accurate? It's a major improvement, but it's a midterm election that will be hotly contested, uh, which healthcare is probably going to be, as it always is, it's going to be the economy and healthcare. It's what's going to be the major debates going in. So we'll we'll see. It'll be another kind of wild ride here, I think, to 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 see what happens with all this. Yeah, well, it's one of many topics that we'll just have to stay updated on, continue to provide updates to our listeners, because it's obviously such an important topic for our laboratories. You have to get reimbursed what you put into it to stay in business, and it, there's always opportunities for making things more efficient. We work on that all the time, but. At some point, you just can't get below a certain cost of what a test actually costs to perform. So it, it's important all around for our patients and our laboratories. That's right. And, and in the infrastructure, I mean, again, mm -hmm. what we learned is with COVID is that we had underinvested globally in our diagnostics infrastructure, right? We have to make sure that that's sustainable for people going forward. I think it'll be an important one for us to talk about because honestly, this isn't an, an issue that uh, grassroots makes a lot of difference. It was a lot of people writing in last year that got the, an extra year of delay so there was time to figure this out so if there's one area that's really important for us to be advocates for ourselves and for the patients that we serve it's really this one because if reimbursement drops too far it will start to really limit people's access i mean even though the the federal government's even worse than mayo in terms of liking catchy acronyms this really <laughs> is uh, it, it will be really important for people to get access to the testing they need well, I'll keep reminding everyone what the acronyms stand for, and uh, we'll keep talking about why they're important for us. And then, yeah, and if it passes, maybe I'll, I actually know the salsa step, so maybe I'll do Ooh, it online. You do the salsa for us. That's great. <laughs> and then maybe next time. <laughs> okay, well, next time it is. All right, Bill, well, I'll talk to you later then. Sounds great. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.